You are listening to the Power of Why podcast. People come to sports, people come to entertainment to, you know, get away from their lives. It's escapism at the end of the day, right? They have tough, people have tough lives and particularly right now, there's a lot going on. So to be able to experience live drama of a a concert or a sporting event, you know, that's the escapism. You know, I think it was through the last hundred years is, you know, keep politics and sports separate. Let's keep sports, sports and entertainment and escapism and all of that stuff. And it just doesn't work nowadays, right? I think there's a realization that if you do this sport thing, right, and authenticity, right, and values-based, right, we've also got something that's really powerful, which is a platform. And with that platform comes responsibility. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Power of Why. My name is Naomi Hailey, and today I am here with the incredible Mark Gowdy. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm awesome. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm really excited that you said yes to, to being on the show. You have a fascinating career, and it's been a real blessing to, to, to meet you and get to know you over the last couple of months. And so uh, for the audience, Mark is the president and chief executive officer of the Ottawa Sports and Entertainment Group, also known as OSEG. He's had quite the corporate career, formerly educated as an accountant. Um, I really hope that his career is an example that there are so many different paths that you can take with this background. Mark's advised clients on value creation strategies with PwC Canada, and with time, he made his way into the sports and entertainment industry as CFO and vice president of FNA, so finance and admin, with the Ottawa Senators Hockey Club and the Canadian Tire Centre. And after about 10 years, he moved into the tech space, you started your own company, and then you were approached about a really cool opportunity, uh, the transformation of the Lansdowne Park into a year-round destination, which is amazing. And you joined as the chief financial officer, you moved into the responsibility of COO, chief operating officer. And in 2018, you were appointed as the president and chief executive officer. So I know that you'll share a little bit about what exactly OSEG does and how your role has sort of evolved over the years. Um, but you grew up in the, in the Ottawa sports community. And um, I hope that you can share a little bit about your uncle and the backstory there. Um, and you're also an avid lacrosse and hockey player. So Mark, welcome to the show. I'd love if you could share you. a little bit uh, more about your origin story and how you grew up. Yeah, born and raised in in Ottawa here. Uh, went to Canterbury High School that became a school of the arts back when I was, I think, in grade 10 or 11. So they let us non-talented kids kind of finish off our high school careers. Um, was was too probably emotionally young to leave uh, leave Ottawa. So I went to Carleton University here where I was in the, the commerce program and took my first job, PwC, as you, as you mentioned, in, in accounting. Stayed in Ottawa. I think one of the you know, early important decisions I made is I got out of accountant accounting right away when I got my hours in and went to the consulting side of things. So I kind of got to use my accounting skills and my finance skills in kind of a broader broader spectrum. And you know the the rest is history from there. Was you know starting to think about what I might do after PwC. My my girlfriend at the time, wife now, worked for for KPMG, who were the auditors of the senators who had just joined the the NHL, and they were talking about you know what a what a challenging place that was uh, as a company that went from a couple of people to NHL franchise and everything that comes with that. And that that sounded fun to me, so I, I chased them down and uh, convinced them to to hire me. You know, it was a really fascinating time. Worked for a brilliant guy, Rod Bryden, who who owned the team 
Rod took over the team the, the day I started just coincidentally. And I had a really, really good run with him, really smart man, really innovative, fast moving. So, you know, I feel like I got to, to learn 20 years of things in the mm. eight years I was with the, the, the senators. Um, and it was an invaluable experience. It was, you know, doing everything for the first time and figuring stuff out, you know, for a smaller market in Ottawa, it was a, it was a challenge, but you know, the, the enthusiasm and live drama that comes with live sports is it's hard to beat. Grad- Graduated from that. That was kind of my MBA, I think, uh, Naomi. So I graduated from that and went into the world of, of high tech and spent the last you know, 20, 25 years or so before I joined OSEG in, in high tech. Was, was asked to come back and do literally you know, two, three days worth of work from the OSEG guys after they you know, decided that this was something that was going to happen. And they got approval to redevelop Lansdowne Park here. You know, I didn't want to get back into sports and entertainment, wanted to get back into technology. So you know, two days became two weeks, became two months, became, I think we're going on our ninth year here. So, uh, you know, funny how things work out at the the end of the day. And, you know, I, I, I can't be happier about how things have worked out. Lansdowne was important to me growing up in, in Ottawa from exhibitions to my first concerts. My, you mentioned my uncle was one of the original, Howard Darwin was one of the original owners of the Ottawa 67. So, you know, my, my dad sold tickets at 67's a game. So this is a place that I, that I grew up in you know, meant a whole bunch to me and, you know, having it fall into disrepair and, you know, not be a, a usable, vibrant uh, meeting place for, for people of Ottawa was quite sad. So, you know, really grateful and humbled by the small role I've got to play in the redevelopment of Lansdowne and what we have got going on here. Small role, right? <laughs> You've been doing a lot of really incredible work there, Mark. And there are a couple nuances there in your story around kind of chasing the experiences that you knew that were going to develop you. Like you mentioned in a couple of years, you kind of gained, you know, 20 years of of work experience. And so I'm wondering, was that a nuance that you understood at that age or was it, where did that come from exactly? Yeah. It's, it's, it's easier looking back now at a whole bunch of things. And, you know, I get asked to talk about, you know, my philosophy on business and life. And I, I'm really reticent to do that because I don't feel like I have one yet. I don't feel like I've paused long enough to be able to codify kind of what that means. But, you know, when I think back, there's a couple important things that happened. And one was deciding to stay in Ottawa. And, you know, that was a, was a choice. I, I was probably you know, mid, late 20s. And if I was going to pursue, you know, finances, my career, um, yeah. you know, going to New York City, going to um, San Francisco, going to Boston, which I had an opportunity to do, was probably, you know, the next logical step, something like that. And, you know, got to a place where I just didn't want to do that. I was, was married with young kids. And it was things like, you know, my son loved playing hockey. And, you know, if we were going to move to San Francisco, you know, what were we going to do about him playing hockey? All of the jobs, you know, that I had an opportunity to have a, a look at, you know, it was going to be intense. It was going to be a couple of years of, you know, reproving yourself and 80 hour weeks and all of that stuff. So I was going to take yeah. my family out of an environment that they're comfortable with. Our families are, you know, close by here. And we had made a decision that my wife was going to be a stay at home mom and, and raise our kids at home. You know, pulling them out of their infrastructure just, you know, didn't feel like the right thing to, to, to do for me. So, you know, made an important decision I, that I was going to, to stay in Ottawa. And then, you know, so what do we do with that? You, uh, you, you find out, you know, what, what Ottawa has to offer in terms of experiences. So staying at home and I think figuring out how I could get engagement from my work, which was important to me, right? Um, I don't pre- perform particularly well when 
you know, I hear my alarm go off in the morning. I, I do better when, you know, I'm up 15 minutes before my alarm because there's, there's stuff to do and I, I need to get going. And I think quality of life, right, in terms of uh, I, I want it to, um, and my wife might beg to differ with some of these points, but I want it to be part of my, my kids' first everythings, right, and be able to be at graduations and music recitals and hockey tournaments and all of that stuff. So, you know, I that kind of fell into place, uh, not as a as a kind of master plan, but just feeling my way through things, and you know, I think it worked out worked out all right. And I kind of followed breadcrumb trails in terms of what I wanted to do. I you know, again, I don't perform particularly well when I'm not inspired by where I'm working and what we're doing. I, you know, you mentioned you got to put X before X lacrosse player, X hockey player, all of that stuff. That's a long time. But I loved, I loved sports and particularly I loved group sports, right? Where you were part of a team. And I, I think that's what I found in, in business that you, you know, where it works, you're part of a team and you're, you're figuring stuff out. You're building towards something, you know, you, you can feel like you're winning or losing at the end of the day. The dynamic of the team is important. So, you know, I think I found in business and in Ottawa, you know, what I loved about sport growing up and, you know, it's worked out all right. And you don't need to be you know, I think in defined industries to be able to define that if, you know, if what you're looking for is, is broader and you're looking for engagement and being part of a team and succeeding and all of that stuff. Hmm. It's a long answer to a short question. <laughs> well, this is the power of why and something really fascinating that I've been trying to read more about, talk to more people about is this idea that purpose is not necessarily attached to a job or an opportunity. And so it's something that I, I think that we define, right? And the, the ways in which you grew up, the environment that you grew up in, it's interesting that this is what you do for your career, right? And the work that you do. And so I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about what OSEG's about, the different portfolios that you have, how excited you are to open up the stadium really at the end of August to you know bring fans back in, have games again. So yeah, I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about that world. Yeah, and, and at its core, I mean, this was a meeting place for 200 years in, in Ottawa, right? This is this the center of the, the city. And out of that, and this is where, you know, they had the, the stage to go off to World War II here. And there's lots of prominent history with, with Lansdowne. And it became a sports venue as well with the, uh, with the old Civic Center and the, the stadium here that's now TV Place. Um, but it, you know, fell into disrepair. So... We, we now reopened Lansdowne 2014 as a, as a couple of things. There's the you know, 25,000 seat stadium, TD Place uh, Stadium, TD Place, 10,000 seat uh, arena, TD Place. We have uh, built and developed 350,000 square feet of mixed retail use buildings that surround the, the campus here with you know, shops and restaurants and, and things and movie theaters. And there's, there's about 400 residential units on, on site as well. So that's, that's OSEG in... As part of that, we also run the Ottawa Redlocks, which you know rejoined the CFL after a bit of a hiatus with professional football in Ottawa, and the the 67s again that uh, you know means something important to me. My my uncle was one of the founders of it back in 67. We own the 67s as as well, uh, and we have a couple of exciting tenants here: the Ottawa Blackjacks basketball team that just joined the CEBL last year, Atletico Ottawa that's part of the the Canadian Premier League uh, soccer, and next year there's a uh, a professional rugby team joining us with the Ottawa Aces. 
So that's kind of what we are as OSEG. And I, you know, I forgot one really important piece, which is the OSEG Foundation as well, which kind of yeah. lets us bring a whole bunch of that together that maybe we can talk about a little bit uh, down the road. We are partners with the city of Ottawa. So that's kind of what we have on our half of the 40 acre campus, which is which is Lansdowne Park. The city controls the, the other half, which is the historic buildings, the Aberdeen Pavilion, the horticulture building and the the park plan that kind of abuts the uh, the Queen Elizabeth driveway and the the Rideau Canal. Mm-hmm. And when you when you talk about wanting to be a part of something almost bigger than yourself, what is it about the sports community, the Ottawa sports community, that really has kept you here? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's about sports as much as just building something that people want to emotionally attach to at the end of the day. And you know, sports is part of that, but. You know, we have in, in our the last year before COVID, 2019, we had 4 million visitors to, to Lansdowne. Yeah. You know, the Grand Canyon gets 6 million visitors annually. So that is pretty phenomenal, uh, you know, that in, in terms of what we've rebuilt here and what we've been able to do with this site. And, you know, probably 750,000 of that is, you know, coming to sports and other events in the facilities, but there's a whole bunch of other things happening. And I think, you know, what's exciting to me is how we continue to evolve this space over the next five and 10, 15 years to be really a world-class site, right? And I think we've we've taken, you know, really important steps towards that, but there's, you know, there's a whole bunch of, you know, cool world-class things we can continue to evolve it into. So, you know, I probably spend the least amount of my time on the on the sports side of things. We we have people now that are really good at that stuff, and and they do that. You know, my uh, attention to detail dictate that I'm never too far removed from it. But we've got really qualified people. So, you know, I think for me, it is now helping and figure out joining the dots about how we can continue to become more relevant to people in in Ottawa, and how we can build something that's you know more applicable to a a wider array of, you know, neighbor, neighbors, um, residents of Ottawa and visitors to Ottawa. So that's, I think, the, the path and the, the riddle to crack kind of going forward. Yeah. And I think this whole move to, well, I mean, it wasn't really our choice, but with the pandemic and everything, how it's sort of changed the dynamics of sports. And I think it's also heightened its interest, right? Um, so it's it's really I'm really intrigued and, and curious to see what um, how you lead it over the next couple of years. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about sports trends and kind of where you see the future of sports going. But before that, I'd love to learn a little bit more about what you've garnered over over your career around relationship building, around you know what does it even mean to to be CEO of an organization, how you've navigated that environment. Just for some context, um, for folks who are listening, my audience is kind of like young adult age and folks who are trying to navigate, you know, the early stages of their career. And so I think the insights that you have around relationship building are fascinating. And I think a lot of people can kind of gain value from that. Yeah, you, you differentiated your audience was young adults, implying that I'm a different demographic. <laughs> um, well, there's an interesting thing. I mean, it's it's. I, I would love to go back and kind of redo my career as much as I've loved it and wouldn't trade anything because there's some fascinating things kind of happening right now. I think, you know, for, for whatever reason, I, I in my career was able to build people's trust very quickly, which was really helpful for me, you know, being able to avoid the dance with people and get to kind of, how we do things. I don't know exactly again why I haven't been able to codify why exactly that is, but 
you know, I, I think I, if I, if I needed to relearn early in my career, I relearned that win-win was, you know, what I wanted to have in the things that, that I did. And, you know, I saw whether it was, you know, corporate jealousies and politics that, you know, in a win-lose relationship, you know, you might have won the battle, you don't win the war, you know, people blow up bridges behind them. And there's, you know, a whole lot of negative energy that, that happens. So, you know, I think I've tried to bring to relationship I had the, the, the win-win and tried my hardest. And a lot of the work I did was, was deal stuff, right? Financings and that, and really try to, to put myself in the other person's shoes and, and try to understand, you know, what they would worry about, what they need to solve for, you know, what political environment they need to satisfy in their own worlds. And, you know, when we'd be able to come to a conversation, you know, the fact that I had, you know, maybe got that even 80% right was important because I was speaking their language all of a sudden. We could get down to how we get there together. And, you know, it just it just seemed to work. Um, so, you know, I think that was, was really in, important, just, you know, finding the win-win in things. And, you know, a couple comments I will make on that. And uh, I know you're heading to the States, but you know, I found a different mentality in, in the States than, than in Canada. There was a lot, I found a lot more win-lose and there was, it was more competitive. It was, you know, in some, some places very accommodating and at its surface, supportive and happy, but there was a dark undercurrent of win-lose. And, you know, I, I didn't love that, which, you know, reaffirmed my decision to, to have my career be mostly in, in Canada. And, you know, recently when you ask about, you know, relationship building and that type of thing, when I walk into a boardroom now and I have, you know, and a lot of most of OSEG's employees are, are 20 somethings or at least 30 something, everybody's on their phone, right? So I worry about, you know, what that is doing to personal interpersonal relationships, you know, when they're not asking about Naomi, what did you do yesterday on the weekend and where are you going and you're going on a vacation? How was your vacation? Like the interaction that happens that you know, allows you to understand each other and break down barriers and get to know each other. I worry about kind of what's lost in that. And, you know, a little bit old school, you know, what we try to do here is, is, is force sociability amongst our folks, right? When we, when we have wins and, you know, when we've delivered something that we're proud of, we try and get people together and, you know, mix them up and try and have them, you know, spend time with each other with, with no phones and, uh, and it's, it's tough sometimes, but, you know, I, I worry about what, what happens if we lose that. You know, we're social animals and, you know, I don't think you always can find what you need um, to thrive through, through your phone and your devices. You know, I think you need to look people in the eyes and get to know them as people. And, you know, I, I hope that evolves and, and changes and our technology, you know, continues to add to our life, but it doesn't take away from our sociability at the end of the day. Hopefully in the, in the future we can... I mean, it's so early that a lot of these things that we're being pulled into, we don't necessarily know what the consequences are right now, right? And so yeah. it's interesting to kind of hear from you. And when you say you made a, a, a slight comment around wanting to redo, did you mean redo or relive your, your career? Relive, not redo. Relive, okay. <laughs> relive. It's, I, th I find it fascinating right now for, you know, a whole bunch of, when, when I, when I started, my dad, right, he, he quit high school, poor family, went to work at the CBC in the mailroom, spent his whole career there and retired with a pension, right? So, you know, when I was leaving Cooper's Library and PwC to go work for the senators, it was like, the world had imploded. Like, no, that's not how it, you do that. You you go to work for yeah. a company, you stay there your whole career, and you you know you dedicate your yourself to the company. And 
you know, you might not like every day. Maybe you don't like most of the time, but at the end of the day, you've got a pension and you're looked after and, you know, that's how, how things work. So he's horrified that I'm on my job, probably what, nine or 10 or something like that. You'll probably have 20. So it's, it's different. And I think, you know, when I, when I started it, it was, there is no pension in, you know, the companies that I worked for. You got to look after yourself. So, you know, you got to look after yourself, but it's that balance where you also, you know, I think to, to get the best out of you, you got to dedicate yourself to what you're doing. You got to want to do what you're doing. So, you know, I think in the olden days, maybe it's hanging a, a pension out there, but now it's about engagement, right? And how do, how do I get Naomi's, you know, heart and, and soul kind of into what I need her for here and uh, align her to our purpose and make sure that, you know, she feels part of that and, and understands you know, the important role she plays in that, which, you know, might not have always been the case. And I think the people that do that is, you know, it's, it's important. That's how you, you get the most out of folks. And, you know, we try to, if we can, and we're a pretty nomadic kind of industry with sports and entertainment, right? If we can get an extra year out of people, that year is huge, right? Maybe the average lifespan in sports and entertainment companies, three years, if we can get four years, a little more than four years, that fourth year, they've solved the learning curve and they're, they're kicking it at high gear. So how do we do that? And that's, you know, what we try to solve for with OSEG is, you know, I want this to be a place that they can go make more money somewhere else for sure. I know that, but I want them to be at a place where they know they're, they're respected and they're learning things. And, you know, maybe they're, they're making a value-based decision that they're going to stay here for another year because they're on a learning curve and they see themselves with their peers learning more, being exposed to more levels of responsibility than their peers. And they're going to learn more. And then they go off and do awesome things. And, we, we celebrate the hell out of that. You know, the, the uh, I don't know if it's, I don't know what it says about me, but the happiest I am is when we are having a going away from people or somebody and they cry, right? That tells me that they care. And that tells me that we've done a good job in our environment with, you know, people with a high give a poop factor about what we're doing. And, you know, with their, with their, their brain, they might feel that they're going off to something that's going to be beneficial, but in their heart, you know, they're going to miss what we have going on and what they're going to do. And, you know, I think our success as, an, as a company here is, you know, 20 years down the road in your career, if you look back and say the, the, the time that I spent at OSEG or with the Red Blacks or 67s or, or TV plays or our foundation was a, an important point in the trajectory of your career. And you, you really enjoyed that. Then, then we've done the best we can do here. Hey there, thanks for tuning into this episode. If you are enjoying the conversation, make sure to share it with a friend. Take a screenshot, spread the word. It really allows me to bring on more incredible guests as we continue to level up in the podcasting space. Mm-hmm. And that kind of just reminds me of the win-win philosophy that you brought up at the beginning is you have folks who are spending eight hours at least a day, you know, dedicated to this organization. And when leadership is really able to make that a place collectively where they feel like they belong and then there is something greater that they're working towards that's really powerful. Um, And so kudos for being able to co-create an environment that, that does that for people. I'd be curious to learn a little bit more about your actively deciding not to take that traditional uh, route of your career early on. Um, Because I think a lot of people struggle with that, feeling like they need to make decisions according to what pleases, you know, the people in their life, parents, 
And what was it in you that you knew this was the best decision for you? How, how do you make decisions in life? Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I, I didn't have a plan. And, you know, I, I find um, a couple comments on kind of who I see entering our workplace now. Kids, and I, I guess I'm old enough, I can use the word kids now. I sound like an old person, but they are so brave, right? They are so brave in terms of their confidence to speak out and be part of things. And, you know, when I joined the accounting firm, it was a totem pole. Like, you know what your role was at first year and second year and third year, you know, what you're going to pay in second year. You know, you didn't kind of cross those lines and you kind of knew where your place was. And I find it, you know, and I, for this, I've, I found this in my technology world as well. Kids are so smart, right? They just, and they're, they're, they're so focused and have so much energy. If you just ask and give them the opportunity to succeed and you know, I, I hope that workplaces are becoming more of a meritocracy now. It doesn't matter if you're third year, right? If you can perform at sixth year because, you know, you, you've got that skill set, then, then do that. So, you know, I think that's what we try to, to, to do. Personally, you know, I, I'm able to dedicate myself wholly to what I've got going on and, and put everything I have into that. But when I'm getting to that place where I feel like I'm, you know, bumping up against something, you know, inevitably my head's gone up and I've looked around and something, the shiny squirrel or whatever, the sun, you know, I don't, I can count the number of job interviews I've ever had because I've never, you know, been looking for a job. It's just kind of found me. And, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of just happened. And I've kind of followed that through, through my career, you know, accidentally on purpose, I think at the end of the day. And that's, you know, so what I'm seeing with the, the, the kids coming into the workforce around with, with lots of energy and, and really brave is, they also have really rigid plans of where they want to be, what they want their title to be when they're 27 and 32. And, you know, I do my best to try and help them break down that. Like, that's awesome if you know where you want to go. But have some fuzzy edges to that and some some flexibility in terms of where you, you want to go, right? You can be senior vice president of a company of five people pretty easily. But, you know, is that really important to you, the title? Or is it important, you know, the engagement, the fulfillment and you know, the, the, the steps that you're positioning your, yourself for that come, you know, another two and five and 10 years after that. So, you know, I think it's, it's, it's great that, that, that kids have a, a point of view and they have a, an idea where they want to go. I really hope, again, that they can find some flexibility in that because if your antenna is not up sometimes, you know, I think you miss really good opportunities that you don't know what you want. I don't, I'm 56 years old. I don't know that I know 100% of what I what I want and what makes me tick better maybe than when I was 25, but not a hundred percent. So if your antenna is up, you, you know, you, you're going to miss things that, that come by that are going to be interesting and captivating and probably, you know, super enriching to, to you in your career and your, in your, in your existence and your human condition, all of that stuff. Really great points. Maybe we can move into sports because a lot sure. of stuff has been, happening over the past year even recently like this week and i think you've publicly announced that the first game is august 28th right first football our game. first game here red blacks game here yeah is august 28th what does that what does that mean after almost it feels like 18 months of you know not having fans in stadiums and not being able to play games in the ways that we used to what does this mean for one? And what are you really looking forward to? Because we're, you know, a couple yeah. weeks out for that from that date. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll answer that question in a roundabout way, if you don't, if you don't mind. Sure. 
So one of the things that I was asked to do when I was in consulting kind of uh, at OSEG at the front end was to, to help figure out, you know, what the blueprint for, for Lansdowne, for the Red Black 67's TD Place was going to look like. So, you know, I've been in technology for a while. So I, I um, bought some plane tickets and pooled around the United States going to different venues that I thought were applicable to us to, you know, figure out how the world works in sports now and what we can bring back to TD Place. And, you know, somebody suggested to me that I should go to Portland and see the Portland Timbers, which is a MLS soccer team. And I didn't play sports growing, or soccer growing up. I didn't like soccer. I found it boring. Didn't want to go to Portland. But I went because I respected the people that, uh, that suggested that to me. And I went to a lot of cool places on my journey. And the last one was, was Portland. And I found Lansdowne. I found the blueprint for Lansdowne. And, you know, they, they talked about, you know, Portland being, you know, weird, which it is. But it was an organic experience. And in the soccer, I found that organic experience. And it wasn't just about the team and the team's record. And, you know, even if they won or lost that game, it was about the community that that club was able to build with their fan base, right? So, you know, and it was about the emotional attachment, you know, here we talk about the emotional attachment to the collective, you know, and the yeah. sport might've been at the, the nub of it at the end of the day, but it was something bigger than that. And that's kind of, that became the blueprint for TD Place and, you know, specifically for, for the Red Blacks. So, you know, we, you know, had a rough notion of authenticity and, you know, what that meant. And I can't probably even define it well enough for you, but it let us come back and talk about, you know, in stadium management, like in, in mass gatherings, there's rules, right? And you have, you, you show your ticket here, you get first here, you can't go back out once you come in, like all of that stuff in terms of it's hard to, to, to um, run a facility with, you know, 25,000 people coming into it. And we kind of tried to blow up all of those things and just, you know, question why do we need to do those things, right? Is that, is that, uh, a, what is Naomi coming to our event? Think of that, right? Are we, are we pulling close people closer to us or are we pushing them farther away? So, you know, if you want to come in and, and have your ticket and scan out and leave and go meet your friends at uh, one of our, our bars or restaurant at halftime and come back in, Let's figure out how to make that happen. You know, we uh, people, uh, if you've been to our stadium, there's a concourse that probably goes um, three quarters around our, our facility, you know, that people like to come down and stand at. They weren't sitting in their seats. And all those people that you see standing have a ticket to, to sit somewhere. They just, they choose not to be there. You know, we're social animals, come back to that. And they like being down and being part of uh, around people. Um, so we embraced that. We made it the biggest bar rail in uh, in North America that went through our, our stadium. Somebody had the idea, you know, why don't we ask fans to come down on the field after our Red Blacks games? And, you know, that freaked people out. What would you do with that? How do we protect the players? Do we put a rope around them? You know, what do we do if somebody gets gum on the field? And we just decided, let's go with it and see what happens. So, you know, I don't know if you've been to a Red Blacks game, Naomi, but, you know, at the end of the game, come down on the field and our players hang out and they're probably there, you know, 20 minutes after the game, win or lose. You know, and if I'm there with my, my son or my daughter and we've lost the game and they're down on the field and there's this, you know, this, this, this player that has taken the opportunity to sit and have the pictures taken and talked with, you know, my, my daughter. What do they remember? They remember that. They don't remember yeah. that we put support on in the last 10 seconds and lost the, the game at the end of the day. So, you know, I think from a sports perspective, what we're trying to build is in a really crowded entertainment world, right, with, with lots of things to do is build a community and, and have people understand, you know, who we are, what we stand for, and join us kind of in, in that community. And it's about more than the sport.
Um, so that's what we've, we've tried to do with, with sports. Um, I think another interesting thing has happened with sports and it's, you know, social impact and what that whole means. Right. And yeah. I think, you know, particularly 25 years ago when I was, was in sports and, you know, probably my, my fandom of sports is people come to sports, people come to enta- entertainment to, you know, get away from their lives. It's escapism at the end of the day, right? They have tough, people have tough lives and particularly right now, there's a lot going on. So to be able to experience live drama of a of concert or a sporting event, you know, that's the escapism. And, you know, I think it was, you know, through the last hundred years is, you know, keep politics and sports separate, right? They've got lots of, lots of uh, opportunity to, to fight about things and politics and all that stuff and religion somewhere else. Let's keep sports, sports and entertainment and escapism and all of that stuff. And it just doesn't work nowadays, right? Our, 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 I think there's a, there's a realization that if you do this sport thing, right, and authenticity, right, and values-based, right, but we've also got something that's really powerful, which is a platform. Um, and yeah. with that platform comes responsibility. So, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that are kind of coming together. You know, there was, in the old days, there was community relations, you know, people went out to gymnasiums and introduced players and talked about, you know, eat right and here's some tickets to the game and there was our foundation that you know had its swim lane there's you know there's a whole bunch of different things and i think the cool thing about sports with our with our with all of that is it's coming together and serving a greater purpose right and i think it's you know about social impact what social impact can we have with our platform with our athletes with our values um with our ability to get get out into the community and speak to to kids and all of that stuff uh you know, you're helping us with some of that, Naomi, so you kind of can see it coming together. But, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a challenging tightrope to walk because you don't want to get preachy. It's still, you know, still entertainment. It's still um, escapism. And you don't want to be screaming in people's faces as you're seeing other people do right now and the uh, divis- divisiveness that's kind of happening in our world. But, you know, I think we play a really important role in kind of trying to knit some of that divisiveness back together and pull people back together. And we're at the, you know, the early stages of how that works and how that doesn't work. I think the NBA does a really good job of it. So we're kind of learning, learning from that. I think we're in a good place. You know, I'm, I'm a really lucky guy. I get to live my work life consistent with my values by you know, the virtue of our owners and, you know, what they want me to to do with this with this asset and with uh, with OSE. And I think with that comes responsibility. So again, a, a really long answer to a really easy question, but you know, sports is a lot more complex and I think it's awesome, but sports is a lot more complex than, you know, selling tickets and, and figuring out how to put what ads in a, in a newspaper someday to get people to come down here on Friday noon. Does that make sense? Yeah, and you kind of led into, you know, things that have been happening over the past months, couple of weeks, even, you know, a couple of days ago with the Premier League in, in, in Europe. And there's, there seems to be this expectation of athletes being, being spokespeople for, for certain issues. And it's crazy. I mean, you mentioned the platform and the reach that, that you folks have where you can, you know, reach millions of kids right and hundreds of millions of people and when we talk about sports in general and i'm I'm wondering even from like a mental health perspective like how how do we protect the mental health of athletes when oftentimes 
it's it's tough the circumstances that you're you're in and you're expected to do be this person and play your sport and advocate for certain things so i'm wondering what kind of responsibility you see to really protect these players and and make sure that they are supported in in the ways that they need to be supported yeah and it, it's hard right because you've got a particular football team you know we got 65 different people with 65 different paths to getting to us right and, and yeah socioeconomic kind of impacts and all of that stuff. So it's really hard. And not everybody wants to be a role model. Not everybody wants to be have a, a platform at the end of the day, right? People just want to live their lives. So, you know, I think it's 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 about education and it's about training as much as we can, right? And I think that's, you know, we've got an added responsibility. You know, the Red Blacks folks are are one thing because they're professional athletes, right? They're 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 adults. With our 67s, you know, we can get players at 16, 17 years old, right? So we're we're shaping young people's lives at the end of the day. And, you know, I think, you know, as an organization, we turn out good hockey players. That's awesome. But you know, more importantly, we turn out good young men. And, you know, everybody thinks they're going to make it through the 67s to the NHL. You know, history tells you one, maybe two players on each team will, will have that opportunity. So, you know, there's another 20 guys that are going to go off to be dentists and and plumbers and electricians and a whole bunch of other stuff so how do we you know give them the tools through through you know their journey with us and their time with us to be good human beings at the end of the day and i think you know it's repetitive but it gets back to the values right and we understand the temptations and pitfalls and things that can go wrong particularly as a as a young athlete where you know you're you're seen as somebody special you know people want to to be you right let's that's you know, i never had the opportunity to play in the ohl the nhl there wasn't much a demand for a kind of fast but not super fast five six guy right so i want to be those people and you know i think they're 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 looked up to and you know what we want to make sure is they're they're capable of being looked up to that they're you know they're good human beings at the end of the, the day and that we can give them the tools to find their voice and find their self-confidence. And, you know, that's a whole bunch of things. And we're, we're evolving what that looks like. The EDI stuff that we're working our way through right now, we'll add another layer to that. And, you know, we'll probably put another um, level of responsibility on our athletes, you know, to, to help us out in the community. So, you know, we got to be able to, to prepare them for that. So it's, it's 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 not easy particularly you know sports is transient too so it's not like you have somebody for 10 years it's right. you know to be able to uh, to have a you know robust training program and i think be able to articulate your what is cool what's not cool what your your values are and you know what the consequences if uh, if you want to take another road that's okay but go do it somewhere somewhere else yeah thanks for uh sharing all of that mark and i'm really like one of the last questions that i like to ask folks is you know, specifically for you working in this industry, I'm wondering, not necessarily trends, but are there certain things that you're really excited about for the future of sports and entertainment? One thing that's popped in my head as you're asking that question, though, it's just, you know, the, the management of sport, like it was a grind, right, in the last, you know, decades. Um, and, you know, people, sports had an easy time attracting people because people want to be part of, of sports at the end of the day. But you know, I don't know that they were the, the beacon of building young employees and what that looks like and preparing them for their next careers and all of that stuff. Like it was, it was a tough, tons of hours, 
um, go, go into it. You know, when everybody else is going to play, we're going to work, right? That's when our events are when, you know, when everybody else's play starts. So it's, it's hard and you want, you need, you need to have a passion for it and want to be part of it. In my technology days, you know, and, and we think back to your Psych 101, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? And I found this really cool tool that took Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is, you know, don't get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger, you know, down in terms of safety and actualized human being kind of at the top, the top and found a tool that kind of brought that to the, the business and environment. So, you know, since then, that's probably going back 20 years in my career. You know, that's, that's kind of what I've used as my compass in our, in our organizations. And, you know, so that's unless you have, you know, leadership teams that people trust in values that people can get behind all of that infrastructure foundation stuff, you're not, you're not going to grow engaged employees. And that's, you know, at the top of that pyramid is engaged in employees. So, you know, we use that as our, as our annual plan. We do our survey um, with our folks every year and figure out, you know, what boxes are green and doing well, uh, what boxes are yellow, watch out, what boxes are red that we need to do something about. And, you know, which of those boxes are important to our people as well, you know, where they get their engagement and their, their job satisfaction through. Um, you talked about eight hours a day, kind of, you, you, you have people at work. That's not our world. It's more than that. Flaming red boxes in that pyramid is work-life balance. And I yeah. think that's, that's true for every sports organization, right? It's just, it's, it's hard. 20 years ago, nobody worried about that stuff because when, you know, we burnt Naomi out, off she went and we find the, the next Naomi to come and work here. Now we worry about that, right? And we worry about, again, we talked about how do we keep Naomi for another year, right? And it's, it's, it's not burning Naomi out. So, you know, one thing we need, and I think we do a really good job of having engaged employees, but, you know, with that, they don't want to take their vacation time. They want to be here for all of the events. They want to be part of it. They need their downtime. They need to take their vacation. They don't need to be here for all of the events. So, you know, it's that, that chart that I think is really important. And we just, we moderate kind of what we have going on in that engagement pyramid. And, you know, I think that has served us really well. And uh, it takes employees a little bit of time to, to buy in and trust that, you know, this is really important and you're going to, you know, walk the walk in terms of its importance. But, you know, when they do, they, they open up to you, they share kind of where they are, what they, what they think we can do better, what they need more of. And, you know, it's not magic. It's just join the dots from, from there and do the best you can. So I think, you know, taking more, best practices that you would see in a world like technology where, you know, you're fighting like hell to keep the smart people that you have because everybody else wants those smart people as well. And bringing it to other industries, you know, is kind of uh, helping us evolve kind of the, the sports and entertainment industry. And, you know, again, it full circle back to, and if I have an employee who's crying on their last day of work because they've loved their experience, we have done something right. And we've probably, you know, given them a foundation to, to hopefully do more than their their peers out in whatever they choose to do next. Yeah, and you, and you mentioned transient industries, the sports being one of them, and it's really good to see how you've practically been able to keep a pulse and keep you know the relationship strong between your teams and and create that kind of environment. And so, thanks, Mark. Thanks for being here. Um, thanks for sharing a little bit about what OSEG's about your career as well. Um, what's the best place for folks to connect with you? That's a good question. Um, um, I, I'm happy to, you know what, let's do this. My, my email is mark.gowdy at oseg, O-S-E-G dot C-A. And I'm Oseg Mark Gowdy on, on Twitter. 
uh, I have, uh, again, my, uh, my, my stage of life, I've had to turn off a bunch of my social media stuff because I just can't keep up with it. So Twitter, though. you're pretty active on Twitter. Well, so what I found with Twitter and I, I, I hope our folks can broaden or reach out right beyond different platforms. But what I found on Twitter is I can do customer service on Twitter. Um, so, you know, when people, they now know how, how to find me when they're not happy about something, they, they tell me about it and we can jump on that. And, you know, when they love something and they can tell me about that as well, and we can make sure we keep doing that. So, you know, that's what I've, I've picked. Always happy to, to speak to folks. And if I can uh, be of service, uh, happy to, happy to, to try. Amazing. Thanks, Mark. And thank you for everyone who has taken the time to, to hear Mark's story and a little bit about what he's up to. Well, you can catch us in the, in the next episode of The Power of Why. Catch you later. All right. Thank you for listening to The Power of Why. Drop us a review on Apple Podcasts with the one reason that you really love the show or this particular episode. And we will see you next week.